You are listening to DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family. I'm Edward Looney, your host, and I am privileged to spend time with our guests, getting to know their story and sharing it with you, the audience, to inspire and help others who might find themselves on similar paths of DNA discoveries or finding family. As I've been sharing in recent episodes, it is my hope to release an episode once a month. I hadn't gotten around to editing February's episode because lots of things have come up since I recorded it. But after I received an email from John, who was interviewed on episode 26, I sat down last night to edit it so I could drop the episode instead of delaying it. Thanks, John, because if it wasn't for you, it probably would have been another week because I'm going on vacation and probably would have edited it during that time frame. John had some nice words of affirmation in his email to me. He wrote, quote, I'm having withdrawals from DNA discoveries. Yours is the best of the DNA podcasts. Please tell me there are more on the way, end quote. Thanks for inquiring, John, because I can take care of this withdrawal for you now. There are more episodes. We have today's and then look for another one in March and in April. I know that I have emails of people that I need to respond to, and I have a few Facebook messages. So I'm working on reaching out and scheduling those interviews so that I can, in fact, release an episode once a month. More episodes to come. I promise. Stay subscribed, stay tuned, and thanks again for your kind words, John. I don't consider podcasting a competition, but I'm glad to know you like my style of interviewing as a journalist. Now, let's talk about today's show. You're in for a treat. It's a husband and wife from Canada, so enjoy the accents. I'm a Wisconsinite, and many people think I speak like a Canadian. We had a great conversation. You know, I'm a professional podcaster. I've conducted over 300 interviews to date. This includes episodes on my religious podcasts and also these episodes of DNA Discoveries. I've been recording most recently over Zoom and in the next episodes to come, you'll notice a difference because I'll actually be using a Zoom mic. Very rarely, do I encounter technical problems in the recording of an episode? This interview, unfortunately, was one of them. Maybe it was the internet speed or delay because the interviewees were in Canada, or it could have been because of the winter weather I was experiencing here in Wisconsin. There are only a few spots that were affected in the interview. You'll realize a disconnect between sentences Maybe the interviewee will pick up and you'll be like, I don't get it. Just know that's one of the spots. Or it'll kind of fade out and then I begin with a question. Know that we lost content in that area. There's nothing that I can do to correct this, but I hope that it won't deter you from listening to this story, this husband and wife sharing their story. Finally, before we get to the interview, this is my monthly reminder that if you have a story of a DNA discovery or a story of finding family, I want to talk to you. Email me or visit the DNA Discoveries podcast page. Use the contact form 
and reach out to me. You can also find and follow the podcast on Facebook and message me there as well. Now, with all that housekeeping behind us, let's get to today's conversation. Today on DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family, I'm very excited to be speaking with a couple, a husband and a wife. They find out information as they've been married all these years, kind of new information comes to light, and they're going to share their story about that discovery and what they made of it and how they've proceeded uh, in their married life together. Uh, maybe we could say making lemonade out of the lemon that they uh, discovered. So uh, thanks so much to Sandra and Brian for joining me today on DNA Discoveries. Good morning. Well, so maybe, uh, you know, one of the first things I always like to do in these interviews is just to kind of understand where a person comes from, et cetera. So um, obviously sometimes, you know, if we're telling the story of an adoptee, they'll say, you know, they'll tell the story about when they found out they were adopted and whatnot. But maybe just uh, to set the scene, uh, you're a married couple. So just tell us a little bit about your married life. How many years have you been married? And uh, ultimately you get this DNA discovery. You didn't go searching for it, but how many years into the marriage uh, were you when you found out this information? Well, we found out on January 6th of 2022. So at that time we were married for about 35 and a half years. Um, it was a surprise to me and to my wife, Sandra, because when we started dating, I never, ever had the opportunity to share that I had a daughter out there because I did not know. The birth mother never did fill me in. And so you find out this information. The surprise is in your story that I have a daughter. I didn't know I have a daughter. Now, as a couple, do you have children or was this like the discovery of a, a first child that you you know, you don't have a family? Like, what's that look like in your story? We have three children. We have our oldest daughter, Katrina, which was born in 1987. And we have our daughter, Catherine, which was born in 1990. And our son, Kirk, which was born in 92. So we did have three kids of our own before Amber come into our lives. Yeah. So, so you're adding then this new daughter didn't know uh, she existed. So how do you come to know about her? Uh, how did she end up finding you, reaching out to you? Well, Talking with Amber, um, her mom or adoptive mom has passed on already, but her mom always shared with Amber that she was adopted and that her biological father never knew that she existed and always encouraged Amber to try to find her biological dad. So Amber had told us when she was 18 years old, she went to the adoption agency, tried to learn more information, and there really was not a lot there. So she even went to proceed that they hired a private investigator looking for the biological father, and that kind of come to a dead end. So two years ago when Ancestry because she Amber's from down in the States and we're in Canada. So 
at shock to realize you've got a daughter. Okay. So, um, so your daughter, she lives in the United States. That's where I'm located. You're in Canada. And so this all comes into play through ancestry DNA, one of the popular autosomal DNA test kits. So, so she didn't know, or she didn't know who you were. She knew she was adopted. Um, in that process, did she find out who her biological mother is as well? So she she searches, she finds the finds you or her biological father. But um, is there a discovery of the mother too? Well, from what we learned of, and it's hard to understand this, but supposedly the biological mother was on ancestry. And when Amber went to reach out to her, she actually closed down her ancestry account and actually shut her Facebook account down. So she didn't even acknowledge that Amber had even sent her a message. She just shut everything off, all social media and ignored her. Wow. Okay. So. Amber has nothing to do with her uh, biological mother at all. I was fortunate in my job career. I got to know many, many people. And this lady I had a connection with 39 years ago, where I was working at, she one day told me that her and her girlfriend were going to move to another place. Well, back 38 39 years ago we didn't have computers or cell phones or nothing so i just looked at it that she was not interested in me anymore i was 19 20 years old and i thought well that's fine i was very active in sports i was playing ball in the summer i was playing rec hockey during the winter and moved on so i didn't think nothing of it and i haven't seen this lady since and mm. still haven't seen her so it was it was a big shock to me and my wife to my children and then you have to tell your family all about this and stuff and we're fortunate that we have a very close family on my wife's side and my side that were accepting about it and uh we were able had many growing pains to get through it but in in the process, Brian, knowing so many people, was actually able to track birth mother down and reached out to her. And after he reached out a few times, she did eventually respond and say that, you know, she was sorry he had to find out this way. She didn't know who the father was at the time. Um, but it was a very traumatic time. She was young and... Nobody ever knew about her pregnancy or giving this baby up. She didn't want anybody to know at that time. She doesn't want anybody to know now. And she signed, take care, God bless. That, that's been the only conversations and contact we've had. Wow. So um, she, so you knew her in your very early years. Obviously, you you probably weren't married then, so... It's not like the child was a product of an affair or anything like that. So you don't have no. that. So no, this was prior to she baby was actually born before we ever even met. Yeah. So so that's a, a good thing in your own family story, because maybe it would have been harder to cope with, et cetera. 
had it been different. So, but you're 19, 20 years old when you know her and you said that she moved away. Um, do you think she moved away because of the pregnancy? Because she didn't want anyone that she knew in that circle at that time to know. So that's why she picked up and left. Yes, that's my personal opinion. I think uh, she found out she was expecting. She was young. I was young. And she picked up and 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 moved. Okay. And kept it a secret. Um, I actually, Amber had copy uh, copies of the, of the adoption papers, and uh, it was supposed to be a veto adoption, which, from I understand. The birth father should never find out that he had a daughter out there. But with technology nowadays and ancestry DNA, veto adoptions mean nothing anymore. Yeah. And uh, we always liked watching Long um, Lost Family. Long Lost Family. That was down in the stage. We used to watch that all the time. And cry. And, <laughs> and stuff and all the success stories then all of a sudden you have it happen to you. So it was a shock. Yeah. Wow. So that that's incredible that, you know, you kind of have an interest in this stuff. And now not only do you watch it on television, but you're actually watching it play out in your own real life. And you know, we are. And what was shocking was we weren't even looking. So Brian wasn't on Ancestry or none of our kids were. It was actually through his brother because Amber matched um, initially as first cousins with his brother and in doing research, the Santa Morgans for first cousins and niece and uncle, you know, they're the same. So when we first found out about it, you know, Brian's thinking, oh, my cousins, well, like which one of them has this baby out there that we're matching as cousins with not realizing that it was his baby. Oh. Yes. <clears throat> Amber's once, Amber had reached out to my brother and said, and well, reached out as a first cousin and it kind of intrigued Todd, well, first cousin. So as they shared more information, my brother sent me a text. I was actually at work then asking if I knew the birth mother and I had said, yes, I did. He was having work done at his place. So I thought maybe it was a contractor and it was just an old fling. He then hung up or after the text, he phoned me and explained to me that I have this girl reaching out to you. I think you're possibly the father because the time frame you worked in that city is when she was kind of born. So he put the numbers together and then he, he said, do you want me to continue my conversations with her? I actually, because I was so shocked, I hung up with my brother. I was at work and I went to the bathroom. I had to regather myself because all of a sudden you're throwing this shock and it's 38 years later and you're playing back your mind. Then what all took place and everything like that. And once I got myself gathered back up, I went back to my office, shut my door and I phoned my brother back. And I said to him, if I have a daughter out there I don't know about, I want to know. So he actually hooked us up, up through Ancestry DNA, and we started communicating with her. 
And once we found felt a little more comfortable with, comfortable with each other, I told her I need to do a paternity test just to verify things. So we actually ordered a kid in, did a paternity test, and the results come back that I was the actual father. Yeah, so um, obviously it catches you by surprise when you hear this information for the first time. Obviously your reaction, you you hung up, then you called. You're like, yeah, I, I want to know if this is true. You do the test. So did you believe it to be possible that you could be her father? Well, at first it's a no. And then when I thought about back at the time, yes, we were young, we were intimate and things happen and it happened. Yeah. So, yes. And when we did the paternity test and that verified everything, you just, you go to the next phase and you just start accepting it. Yeah. Like I have this daughter out here. Now let's deal with it going forward. And that's what we did. And that's what we did. What are your thoughts, I guess, you know, as you receive that information, you, you now know this, but the fact that it was withheld from you, she didn't tell you, maybe she was right. She didn't know who the father was, but maybe she did. And, and she just, just didn't want to make contact, reach out, didn't want to tell you, didn't want you to change the course of what could happen. But what's your feelings or emotion reaction, you know, just processing that, like, I've had a daughter for all these years and I didn't know about her. And uh, how do you deal with that, I guess, or come to terms with that, the fact that that information was withheld from you? Well, oh God, that's hard to answer because I had so many emotions. Um, I actually took a very negative side in life and got to the point, I didn't like women. I didn't want to deal with with women. I got cold to my wife because I was thinking, how can somebody do that to you? Mm. You've put a child into this world and you don't even know about it. You've missed 38 years of growing up. And I went into a dark place and I just kind of shut down, did my own thing, did my own stuff and at work because none of my employees knew I had to keep a happy face at work. Yeah, one of my employees at work that we've worked many years together, like 20, well, it's almost 25 plus years. She knew me and knew something was wrong. Yeah. But I didn't share it with her at first. But she kept saying to me, there's something wrong with you, Brian. You're not yourself. And then after a couple of months, she's probably the first one I talked to. And I shared to her what was going on, but I got very cold. I probably went through six months where I didn't like women. I, I'll be upfront. I was cold. I just didn't want to be part of women, even my wife, because I family and explain that all. So you're always telling the story, what went on. They're asking so many questions. And, and we don't know a lot of the answers. Right. And the first question I got, who was the mother? The mother didn't want to be notified 
of it. So it just kept bringing back to me and uh, it was just, it was not a good situation. And even first. though she had kept this secret for 38 years, now she's asking us to keep her secret. Yeah. You know, so it seems like such a big betrayal that, you know, you've withheld this, you know, from us for 38 years and, you know, Amber's, Amber's our daughter, you know, whether she's mine or not, she's his child. So she's our daughter and you withheld this from us, but now you want us to, you know, withhold your secret, you know, just felt like such a big betrayal. So when uh, Brian, you know, was a little maybe cold going through a bout of depression or whatever, dealing with all of this, how did you, Sandra, take it all? And uh, how did you deal with it in that moment, too? Oh, the more depressed he got, um, the further I felt. Um, and I felt like he was punishing me for somebody else's actions. Um, you know, so birth mother had kept this away from him and, um, I was the one that was suffering the consequences. I mean, I loved my husband. I knew he loved me. He was still taking care of me, but he wasn't affectionate. He wasn't, um, you know, my husband, we were roommates in the same house, just trying to, to cope with it. And I, I actually got into a very dark space too, um, and not because of Amber. Amber had absolutely nothing to do with it. She was, you know, the the gift at the end of the rainbow. Um, but yeah, it was it was a few really rough months. And you know, you have the people that you were telling that some of them are, you know, what if this was to happen to anybody? We know that you guys are the ones that would welcome with her with open arms. And yet you, then you have the other ones that are, oh, well, I wonder if, you know, how many more are out there, which then, you know, just puts you into a deeper, further spiral down. So that was very hard. And, um, you know, we had our, our own emotions, but then we've also got our kids and our kids were probably our biggest support out of all of it because um, they knew that dad hadn't cheated on mom. They knew that shit happens, you know, when you're young and they were the ones that were constantly calling and checking up on us and making sure that we're okay. And telling us that, you know, mom, dad loves you, dad, mom loves you and everything's going to be okay. And it takes time. You know, when you have a baby, you have to carry that baby for nine months and you have nine months to prepare. I will say this was no different. We needed, um, Probably it took us our nine months and um, we were five months into this and, you know, it was, it was still hard, but we actually had an auntie and uncle who were here one night and we'd shared our story with them and, you know, people knew something was wrong because we weren't ourselves and we'd shared our story and auntie after, at the end of the story, she looked at us and she's, they've lost a child because of an accident and they said, you know what? It's better to have gained than to have lost. Mm. And that was kind of when reality set in that, you know, irregardless of what's happened, um, you know, you got to take it one step at a time. 
And I felt like it was grief, even though I hadn't lost something. Um, I was grieving for the family that I had before and that I thought that we had. In 2022, you have this discovery. And so obviously now we're in 2024, uh, two years have passed or uh, in process of that. So uh, I'm just wondering, have you met her? Like, obviously there's this country divide. You, you, she lives in Canada or you live in Canada. She lives in the States. So um, have you met? Did she come to Canada? Did you go to America? Like all uh, of the above. Yeah. So <laughs> how many times have you seen each other? What What was the reunion like? Or I guess you want to call it a reunion, but the first meeting, what was that like? Um, so our first meeting was actually at her place. Um, only It was only about six weeks from the first time that we had even found out about her. It was two weeks after our DNA had been confirmed and we were actually down in the States. So we were driving home and we went and spent the weekend with her and her husband. And uh, we, uh, with that, we decided to get a, a hotel room, right? Because we don't know how everything was going to pan out. So we show up to their city. They're at work. We uh, have their address for their house. We kind of scoped out their house before we checked into our hotel room. And you've got things that go through your mind. Do they live in a rough area town or what am I getting into? And um, we get to our hotel room, check in. We set up an appointment to meet them at their house the next day at nine. Was it nine o'clock? And um, we show up a half hour early. Amber's husband's parents are there. And we can see they're scrambling to leave the house because we're a half hour early. And we go up to the door and they said, we're sorry, we'll leave. We'll give you your time. And I said to them, I said, if we're all going to be family, let's sit down and start here. We'd like to meet you. So we actually got to sit down with Amber's husband's parents, had a coffee with them asked each other's questions in general through life, kind of. And they left and give us our space with, with Amber and Aaron for the rest of the day. And we all went out for supper that night. But here's where it goes as a family. Our two girls have reached out to Amber in that process before we showed up there. And Amber had said to them, like, what I do for your mom and dad and stuff like that. So the kids kind of helped Amber to prepare. So it made the whole day so comfortable. So I, the, the biggest one was Amber says, after we've met her, she says, okay, she says, we've got to do a real Canadian greeting. She said, we'll have some beer and Clamata juice. It's only, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. So we have our cheers and she says, I was going to serve mimosas, but... Catherine said that my 
our dad wouldn't even know what a mimosa was and he'd probably prefer the beer and, and, and clamata juice. So, I mean, our, our kids had already been speaking with her and, uh, you know, so that was the first time we met her. Um, then she came down to... Yeah, but even in that weekend, Amber took us out to meet her aunt and uncle her adoptive aunt and uncle, and she took us out to meet her uh, cousin stuff. So we got to meet more of the family on both sides. And we left that Sunday. And I retired from my job and I'm involved in our family farm. And Amber and Aaron took the initiative in May to drive up to Canada and they spent Four days, five days. Five days hop here hmm. with us. And like I said to them, I haven't got a lot of time to spend with you because this is our busy season. They come from the city, right? Now they're going to learn the agricultural side of what we did in our life. And they come up here and spent five days with Sandra and us. And we actually shot our seating equipment down in May one night and we had a family supper where my sister come, my brother come and their wives and our daughter come from out in BC. Our son from Alberta. Our son from Alberta. Your mom. My mom, Sanders' mom. And then we had our host friends come and we all had a nice supper together to get to meet Amber and make her feel part of the family. And I said to Amber the next day before I left the farm, I said, this is us. This is our family. There was no putting on a show or nothing. This is just how we are when we get together. Sure. So then actually, the, um, that was the first time they were here. It's just so happens um, the way fate comes. Her birthday fell on Father's Day in 2022. So we actually made the trip down to the states um, to celebrate their first birthday and their first father's day together and she was shocked her adoptive dad isn't in the picture he had left when she was you know four or five so she doesn't have anybody you know what her adoptive dad isn't in the picture her adoptive mom is passed away so uh she was quite surprised that we would make that effort you know, for her because she's, she hasn't had that. Um, so that was, that was a, a big, big emotional day. So then our very first big family gathering where we were actually all together, we rented a condo out in BC on a ski hill oh. and they flew in from the States and we have two girls who are in BC and us and our son, we all drove out and we had our first Christmas together. Um, and that was 11 months after finding out about her. So there's been an ongoing relationship. You stay in touch. You've really uh, brought her into your family. She's brought her into your, into her family. So there is this, there is a sense of, you know, finding family, you found family and you're a part of each other's lives. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yes. And that, when we went to the ski hill, um, that's when we made the announcement public on the girls. Our girls had put it on their Facebook 
that oh. they had a newfound daughter and pictures of everybody. Sure. And what really helped to make everything so much nicer, it was amazing once people seen that story that had come up to me when I come back home, that they've had something like that in their family or they knew of somebody. All of a sudden you got people sharing stories with you that you never ever knew about. Hmm. And our journey from there has just grown. You start coming out of that dark hole because you'll what advice do you have for someone who might find themselves in a similar situation? This is your story. And so obviously there's going to be someone out there and maybe someone who's listening right now is that person like Amber, they're discovering that who their biological father is, they're going to probably make contact with family. Um, what, I guess, what advice would you give to a person like her or maybe a person like yourself who might be the recipient of that news that they are a father, that this is a child that they, they didn't know about? So, well, I guess, what kind of encouragement do you give to people who find themselves in a similar situation? I mean, Amber had always told us, you need to process it. I've had 38 years, you know, to think about how I would react when, you know, I finally found you. And I can say that you just need time. Uh, you need time to process it. You need to, I mean, as much as he might've disliked women at the time and we were in dark spaces, we were still together. We were still on the same page. We were walking the same path. And we were going through it together, you know, do it together, but just give yourself time. It doesn't have to happen, you know, overnight and it's not going to happen overnight. We're still learning lots about each other, but it takes time. Yeah. You know, there are stories out there where it's like the, there's an immediacy and the people are very open and ready and like they drop everything and they go. And then there are people like yourselves that say, you know, I just need a little time to think about this, to process it, to, to make sense of it all. So that's great advice. Personally for myself, I think you have to give it some time between both parties because it's a shock for the daughter or son when they find their parent and it's a shock the other way too. And I think to make everything work, you have to give each other space take time to get to know each other and proceed from there as everything starts to feel more comfortable. And like I always, like I always get questions, oh, did your new daughter come home for Christmas? No, she has her adoptive family that she's known for 38 years. You have to respect their time. And that's what we do. And when we make plans with Amber, we make sure it doesn't interfere with adoptive families for her. So you have to have some patience both sides. And it's no different for Amber, has to make sure we're not so busy and stuff too. And like I said, we're fortunate. Maybe she has some of our, my genes where uh, you have some patience and stuff. And it's in there because she's very patient also. Yeah, that's wonderful advice. And, you know, I'm just uh, grateful that you've decided to share your story because I think this is um, a, an interesting side of the story, right? Like we're talking to you as a married couple receiving this information, how you dealt with it, 
how you uh, accepted Amber into your family. So, so I think this is a, a beautiful little story that can give hope to maybe other couples who find themselves in a similar situation or maybe to an individual searching. It gives them the hope that, well, maybe the family I reach out to that doesn't know about me, they will be open to receiving me and welcoming me into their own family. So, um, so I'd like to thank you for reaching out. Uh, you reached out over a year ago and uh, it took that long to kind of find a time and schedule and whatnot, but but I'm grateful that you've had the opportunity to share uh, what happened in your own life and how you uh, accepted it and, and when and how you've incorporated her into your life. No, it's all been a positive, definitely very positive. That's for sure. It's uh, something I wouldn't give back. That's for sure. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, well, we have been so fortunate and blessed to have a nice daughter that is very open, accepting the way we do things as a family. And we're so fortunate, our children, for accepting her also. Like, you could always have the one child that isn't accepting. And we are so fortunate that they all blend together. The girls always talk, uh, they reach out to each other and everything. And we were just out in BC this week and Amber knew we were out there and she actually phoned out the day we were there just to say hi to all of us out there. So the communication has been just awesome. Yeah. You know, and the other aspect too, and talking about communication that I just really loved about your story is that when you went to meet her in the States, your children had already reached out to her and gave her advice about you all. And so, uh, you know, that how accepting they were and willing to reach out and make that communication and not shun her, but uh, welcome her in. So, so yeah. Our kids were awesome. Our, our kids were awesome. I can't say enough about them. Um, you know, just wish that we could have had Amber you know, years ago, instead of having to wait till now. But in saying that, would we have our kids been as accepting years ago as they were now? I don't know. Well, the things is, the kids are adults now and understand it. And I said to Sandra, maybe it was better off it had <laughs> happened later in life and not when they're in, in teens, because there's always a rebellion and when they're a teenager. So maybe it was best that happened now when they is, because they're in their own life doing their own thing and more mature and understand things. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your willingness to share your story. Uh, just as so many people shared their stories on that TV show that you guys watch. Now you're sharing yours uh, for, for people uh, who are processing their own uh, DNA discovery and trying to make sense of it all. So, so my hope is always with these interviews that gives hope and encouragement. And, and uh, I know that I I'm deeply impressed by your story. So thanks so much to both you, Brian and Sandra for your willingness to share. Well, thank you for having us and have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of DNA discoveries. I'm grateful to Brian and Sandra for sharing their story with me, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I'm wondering, wouldn't it be great if we could get Amber on for an episode to talk about her discovery 
what she made of it to get her perspective, I might ask them about that. I hope that if you enjoyed today's episode, you would consider sharing it with someone else that might like it too. Send it as a text. Share the episode on your social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave a review. That helps people find the podcast and know it's worth listening to. And finally, follow us on Facebook. If you have a story to share, send me an email, contact me through Fireside's contact form, or message me on Facebook. All the relevant links are in the show notes. I'm honored by how many people listen to DNA Discoveries. You are the reason why every month I have these conversations, why I edit these shows, why I put them out there. And I hope you'll join me next month as we continue to share these stories of finding family.